morning. Glad to see everybody that's here this morning. Glad to have those of you with us online, whether you're there on Facebook, on Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, be sure to follow us there, to heart, to like us, share the posts. Uh, that just helps to get the word out to more and more people. So I encourage you to do that. And welcome to those who may be joining on our phone live streaming. Uh, if you need that number to give to somebody, please see me after church. I'll be glad to give that number uh, to you. But thanks for joining us there. Share any comments, any prayer requests, too, uh, that you may have there. Uh, if you're there with us on Online, be sure to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go to the info tab, which just is a couple of tabs over. It's there that you can download the worship bulletin. If you're here in person and you need one of these, uh, they are in the windowsills as well as at both doors uh, as you leave this morning, or the ushers will be glad to come and give you one, or you can go pick up one if you want. Uh, but encourage you to get one of those. Download that if you're at home. Uh, there's a lot of upcoming things. Uh, you'll hear about a special call meeting at the end of our service, too, uh, that's going to be coming up next Sunday. So uh, be sure to take a look at that uh, on, the, on the bulletin for today. Also, we have our children's worship bulletins. Those go along with today's message. Uh, so I encourage you to get that downloaded. Share the link there with others. If you need those in person, they're in the windowsill to my right over here to your left. And then also on that info tab, uh, you can also download the prayer list. So be sure to get that downloaded uh, so you can be praying through the individuals uh, who are on that prayer list. Uh, also, uh, they're out here if you need the paper versions. They're out here behind me uh, in the in the foyer in the hallway back here across from the offices on the table there so welcome to everybody glad to have everybody here we're looking forward to an awesome service uh, this morning expecting God to show up in a great and mighty way so brother Mike if you'll come and lead us in our hymn good morning all take your hymnals if you do prefer to do so and turn to 379 we're going to sing brethren we have met to worship that's why we're here Why don't you stand? Stretch your legs.
Well, as we come to this time of our service, this is our time for our missionary moment. Uh, we are still emphasizing our golden offering for Tennessee missions. We still have not yet reached our goal, but want to encourage you to be praying about giving towards that goal that goes to support missions work all across Tennessee. And by virtue of that, like as uh, helping with disaster relief through the golden offering for Tennessee missions, that helps in other states. Uh, a lot of that resources is right now in Florida. There are people on the ground from uh, Tennessee that are there uh, um, near Sarasota area. They're not in Sarasota. That's where they originally planned to be. But you pray about giving towards uh, that offering. But our missionaries of today are Travis and Beth Burkhalter. Uh, they are serving in Central and South America. And they uh, were led there and decided to learn one of the languages of the particular indi indi indigenous people groups uh, that are without any known believers. Uh, and learning the language, they said, is a long-term task that will take years. One of the reasons being the language is unwritten. It's not like you can pull out your cell phone and say this and translate it into that language. That language hadn't even been written down. And so it's taking them quite a while uh, to share the gospel. So he has an individual who does speak Spanish uh, who is a part of that group, and he's able to work with him on the lesson for that week to get it somewhat translated by speaking to a Spanish person who then converts it in to the indigenous people group's uh, language. And so uh, pray for them uh, this morning for Travis and Beth Burkhalter who are serving there uh, in Central and South America, and pray for all of our missionaries as they serve around this nation and the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the wonderful privilege that you have given us to be a part of your kingdom work, uh, Lord, first and foremost through our prayers. Because we know, Lord, that all of our missionaries and all of the souls of those who are lost and those who have been saved through our missions work uh, need that power of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so, Father, we just pray this morning that you will uh, just intervene in their lives in a special way. As many of our missionaries are gathering around this nation, across the state, uh, as well as around the world. We especially lift up Travis and Beth Burkhalter and ask, Lord, for you to have your hand upon them as they learn the language there of this indigenous people group. We pray, Lord, that you will open up opportunities uh, that through their very actions, the indigenous people group there will see and hear and know that you love them and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them just like you did for us. And so thank you, Lord, for the ability we have to pray and to intercede on their behalf. And I pray that you'll just continuously remind us of that, to be praying for our missionaries uh, who are serving on the field 24-7. But Father, we also pray that you would impress upon our hearts what to give, as such as to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, uh, to support that mission work, uh, giving every Sunday also that a percentage of our offerings go towards the cooperative program that keeps those missionaries on the field. And so Father, I just pray that you will bless our offerings each and every Sunday, continue to increase them, uh, that your work will continue to increase around this world and bless that offering, Lord, uh, that we would be able to reach that goal. So, Father, also just be with us this morning. We just want to honor you. We want to worship you. We want to learn from you. So come into our presence, Lord, and help us to hear that still small voice of you speaking to us. And may we leave this morning changed forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let me just remind you, too, if you want to do your, your giving, you can do that online. Uh, go to the website there at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side. Click the Give Online tab. Easy platform there that's set up there for you to give. You can designate. You can designate to this golden offering for Tennessee Missions. If you want to do your regular budget offering, there's that on there, too. And so I encourage you to take the time to do that. You can put it in an envelope and place those in the offering plate. If you want to do the golden offering one, uh, we do have some pink envelopes left. If you do put it in this, just make sure you designate on it, you write on it uh, what that offering is for also. And then also just want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, we've got Trunk or Treat that's coming up at the end of this month. If you want to help do a vehicle, uh, please sign up on the sheet. There's two different sheets out here. One for signing up to do a vehicle, to decorate it up, to hand candy out to kids uh, as they come through. Last year we had uh, just over 300 kids, not including the adults uh, who came through. And so it's a wonderful opportunity for us to reach out and 
share the gospel, but we also need people for the support work there too. People to just mingle with others, to talk with them, people to help serve food, people to help uh, make the food, people to help make hot chocolate, all those kinds of things. So any of that that you can help us with, there's a separate sheet to sign up for that also. And then uh, just to mention again, we do have our Operation Christmas Child uh, slots at the Processing Center. We have two different days. Uh, one is the Saturday, uh, November 26th after Thanksgiving. Uh, you can sign up for that day. Uh, there's a slot there for eight. Uh, and then there's two time slots uh, for the December 10th. Be sure to sign up on either one of those. We'll be going down as a group, so we'll be staying for that uh, entire time from 2 to 7 uh, as, as we're there. So those sign-up sheets are on the mission board that is just down the hallway toward Pastor Matt's office. So be sure to sign up on that uh, so that we can get those slots filled. We're going to take a couple of more weeks of emphasizing that to you all, and then we'll open it up to some other churches who may be interested in going to. But glad to see everybody this morning. Brother Mike, if you'll come again. Wow, we have a lot going on. Make sure you find a place to plug in. And maybe this song will uh, spark something in you, set your soul afire. So sing with us as we sing 573, join the choir. Set my soul afire.
pray for our choir this morning. About every month or month and a half, we try to sing uh, special music. That's about all I have time to help in doing pastor and Ann uh, leading music uh, with, our, with the specials. Uh, praise God that Mike is doing a lot of the other things there, and we have our instrumentalists. Uh, but just want to encourage you this morning with this song that we do have a good, good father. <clears throat> of what they think you're like but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone
is a good, good father. Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side during this next hymn. And uh, I find my place, 495 is our hymn. Let's sing, Serve the Lord with Gladness. 495. Y'all stand and sing all three verses with us.
Amen. There's so many spokes in the wheel, sometimes we forget one of the spokes. So sorry about that, Ben, <laughs> getting you the number there for us. If you take your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 down through verse 42, uh, this is still this series we've been going through on Sunday morning, Sunday night on the life of Jesus. If you don't uh, come or at least tune in online on Sunday nights, you're missing half the story of the life of Jesus. There is so much more uh, than what we just go over on Sunday morning. And then we have the book of Revelation that we do on Wednesday nights. So I encourage you to come Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. But Luke chapter 10, verse 38 down through verse 42, I've entitled this message, First Things First. Let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. Now as they went on their way... Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Let her then, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. And I just pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, may you use it to strengthen those of us who are already believers, who have trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Father, I pray that you'll use it to remind us to make sure that we don't let the world or the devil or, or any of those things or even sin begin to crowd out the importance of keeping the main thing the main thing, keeping first things first. Lord, I pray especially for those who may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior yet. Maybe they've not made that public profession. Maybe they've not even gone through the waters of baptism. Lord, I pray that you will speak very plainly and clearly into their hearts and to let them know, Lord, that the first thing that must come first in their heart and their life is to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, receiving that free gift of salvation that he purchased for them on the cross and has given us eternal life through his resurrection. So, Father, use this message this morning to be a blessing to each and every one of us here and each and every one who is watching online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. There's a whole generation here that won't even know about this story till I share it with you. Uh, because this happened back in, actually probably a couple of generations, it happened back in 1972. There was a flight out of one of the major airlines from New York to Miami, and the crew began making preparations for landing when they were coming to Miami there, and they, they noticed that the light, which indicates that the landing gear is down, didn't come on. The flight was under the command of Captain Robert Alban Bob Loft, who was age 55. He was a veteran uh, pilot, ranked 50th in seniority at Eastern Airlines at that time. Eastern Airlines doesn't exist today. Uh, Captain Loft had been with the airline for 32 years uh, and had accumulated a total of 29,700 flight hours throughout his flight career. So he was a very experienced pilot. There were 163 passengers on that plane and 13 crew members. The flight was, a rout was routine until about 11.32 that night when the plane began its approach into Miami International Airport. After, it lowered, after lowering the gear, First Officer Stock still noticed that the landing gear indicator, a green light identifying that the nose gear is properly locked down in the down position, had not illuminated. And it was later discovered uh, to be due to a burned out light bulb. The landing gear could have been manually maneuvered and lowered. Nonetheless, it wasn't. The pilots, they cycled the landing gear, uh, but still failed to get that confirmation light. Loft, who was working the radio during this leg of the flight, told the tower that they would discontinue uh, their approach to the airport and requested to enter what was called a holding pattern. 
The approach uh, controller cleared the flight to climb to 2,000 feet and then hold west over the Everglades. Uh, the cockpit crew removed the light assembly. Uh, the second officer, Don Repo, uh, had dispatched to the avionics bay beneath the flight deck to check via a small porthole whether the landing gear was indeed locked down. Well, 50 seconds later, after reaching their assigned altitude, Captain Loft instructed First Officer Stockstill to put the plane on autopilot. For the next 80 seconds, that plane maintained level flight. But then it began to drop 100 feet. And then again, flew level for two more minutes, after which it began a descent that was so gradual it couldn't even be perceived by the crew. In the next 70 seconds, that plane lost only 200 feet, but that was enough to trigger the altitude warning chime that was located under the engineer's workstation. Now, the engineer, you'll remember, is Engineer Repo. He had gone below, and no indication was heard from the pilot's voices uh, recorded on the black box that they heard the chime. In another 50 seconds, the plane was at half of its assigned altitude. The NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board investigation, discovered that the autopilot had been inadvertently switched from altitude hold to control wheel steering mode in pitch. In that mode, uh, once the pilot releases the pressure on the yoke, the autopilot maintains the pitch altitude of the aircraft until the yoke is again moved. The investigators believe that the autopilot switch modes when the captain accidentally leaned against the yoke while, while turning to speak to the flight engineer who was sitting behind and to the right of him. The slight forward pressure on that stick would have caused the aircraft to enter a slow descent maintained by that CWS system. After the aircraft had descended 250 feet from that selected altitude of 2,000 feet, that C chord sounded from the rear speaker, the, the uh, altitude alert designed to warn the pilots uh, of that inadvertent deviation from the selected altitude went unnoticed, by, went unnoticed by the crew. Investigators, when they were investigating, believed that was due to the crew being distracted by the nose gear light and because the flight engineer was not in his seat when it sounded, so he wouldn't have been able to hear it. Visually, since this was at nighttime, and the aircraft was flying over the darkened terrain of the Everglades, no ground lights or other visual signs indicated the TriStar was slowly descending. The final NTSB report cited the cause of the crash as pilot error, saying that the crash was due specifically to the failure of the flight crew to monitor the flight instruments during the final four minutes of flight and to detect an unexpected descent soon enough to prevent, prevent impact with the ground. It said their preoccupation with a malfunction of the nose landing gear position indicating system distracted the crew's attention from the instruments and allowed the descent to go unnoticed. And while that crew was focusing on that faulty light bulb, that plane crashed into the Everglades and over 100 people lost their lives. Now that plane crashed for one reason. The crew had the wrong priority. They were doing the right thing, but they were doing it at the wrong time. They failed to put first things first. Understand this as we look at this passage this morning, that the Lord Jesus was extremely sensitive to first things. Over and over and over, he taught the principle of, of proper priorities. He emphasized continuously the priority of putting first things first. For example, he pointed out that the key to handling conflicts is to put first things first. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24. So if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, he says, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. First things first. He taught the way that you get to, the way you get what you need in your life is to put first things 
first. Uh, you remember this famous passage in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 that says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first. He illustrated the, the way to avoid hypocrisy in your life is to put first things first. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 4 through verse 5, he says, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while there's a log in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will, be, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That principle of first things first even affects the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said that before he returns again, Mark 13, verse 10, it says, All and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And so uh, it, it takes us putting first things first. Well, this incident that we just read about here in these verses took place with a small family in a small home in a small town but it allowed Jesus to teach one of the biggest lessons of his entire ministry. The entire incident didn't take very long. And if it wasn't for Luke, we would never have known about it. Luke's the only one who records this incident. Yet in this passage, Jesus tells us unmistakably what ought to be the first priority of every life. And he not only tells us to put first things first... He tells us uh, what that first thing ought to be. Now, there are three main characters, and we're going to break our story up with those three main characters. There's two sisters and one Savior. There's Martha, there's Mary, and there's the Master. And all three of these teach us to put first things first. Here's the first one we want to look at is Martha. We see in Martha the problem... Of frustration. Look back again, if you will, at verse 38. It says, They went on their way, He's talking about his disciples and the, uh, the others who were with him. It says, They went on their way. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So we have two sisters here. <coughs> it's in the next verse, it says, She uh, had a sister called Mary. So there's Martha and there's Mary. A and these two are as different. As night and day. Uh, the, the name Martha means literally mistress. That's exactly what she was. She was the mistress of the house. Uh, Martha was the one who, who always kept the fires burning, who always kept the food cooking. She was uh, a wonderful homemaker. She was a hospitable woman. She was the one who welcomed Jesus into her home. She never turned away a guest. She was a hard-working woman, and she didn't mind rolling up her sleeves and, and fixing a meal on the spur of the moment for, for somebody. Uh, she was also a holy woman. There wasn't, as we know, of any outstanding sin in her life. Uh, she was morally pure, living a clean life, a wholesome woman. But in this story, she's not a happy woman. She's extremely bitter. She's extremely resentful. She was frustrated with everybody and everything. So here was Martha who was sweating in the kitchen and, and serving while there's Mary who's sitting and soaking. She was wet with sweat. She was beat with the heat. She was stuck in the muck, if you will, and she didn't like it. And finally... You know, like most of us, we keep things bottled up, and you keep things bottled up, it's kind of like a pressure cooker. Eventually, something's going to give, something's going to explode. And when you don't deal with the, the issues that are in your heart and in your life, and finally, she had had all that she could take. And, and you could just see her now as she, she just bursts into that room, sweat's pouring down her brow, she's tapping her foot, and, and a, pat, a platter in one hand, a, a pitcher in the other, she's ready to throw them both at anything that moves. She was so angry... Get this, she doesn't even talk to her sister Mary. I mean, think about this whole story. She could have just went and spoke to her sister and said, Mary, I need some help in the kitchen. Could you come help me? All she had to do. But she won't even talk to her sister. Notice who she goes to first. She goes directly to Jesus. She talks to the Lord. Notice verse 40 again. 
It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So know this and understand this. That statement tells us a lot about her and a lot about where her anger was directed. She wasn't, she was upset with the Savior. She was upset with Jesus. She is accusing Jesus of being indifferent and insensitive. Lord, don't you care? She's upset with her sister also. Uh, we notice this, that she's indifferent, she's insensitive, but what we really learn is that Martha is not just upset with the Savior, not just upset with her sister sitting over at the feet of Jesus. She's really upset with herself because, first of all, we see that she was distracted. Verse 40 tells us that Martha was distracted with much serving. The word literally there means to be drawn away or to be dragged about. Mary was in essence letting the tail wag the dog. She had substituted busyness for blessing. She was so preoccupied with giving physical food to Jesus that she neglected getting spiritual food from Jesus. She was also, the Bible tells us, distressed. Because when you read there, it says that Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, why are you anxious? Or, or why are you worried? Now, the word there literally means to be drawn in different directions. She feels like she's being pulled apart at the very seams. In other words, she's uptight. She's so consumed with the temporary that she's forgotten the eternal. Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 31 that we shouldn't what we shouldn't that we shouldn't worry about what we should eat or what we should drink. And that's exactly what Mary was worried about. She's worried about the food. She's worried about the meal. She's worried about the the, the drink. She's worried about all of that, those physical things. She was also distraught. Because notice Jesus also says that she was troubled. She was troubled. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. That word literally means to be thrown into an uproar. She had had all she could take, and her frustrations finally rose up to the top, and the pressure cooker blows, and she explodes. Now, I want you to notice carefully that Martha's problem, as we saw a second ago, wasn't with her sister. It wasn't really with her Savior. It was with herself. Because you know what Martha's problem was? She had allowed what was urgent to the world to crowd out of her life what was important to the Lord. Years ago, a man by the name of Charles Hummel uh, wrote a very important article entitled The Tyranny of the Urgent. He made this statement. He said, we all think we need a 30-hour day to cope with life. In other words, we just need more time in the day uh, to get everything done. But he said this in this article, but would a 30-hour day really solve the problem? Wouldn't we soon just as, be just as frustrated as we are now with our 24-hour day? He said, our dilemma goes deeper than the shortage of time. It's basically the problem of priorities. Martha was under the tyranny of the urgent. She had failed to put first things first. You see, all work and no worship makes Jack a frustrated Christian. If there's no fellowship in the living room, there'll be frustration in the kitchen. The greatest barrier, if you will, to blessing is the burden of busyness. Someone wrote this poem and said, We mutter and we sputter, we fume and we spurt. We mumble and grumble, our feelings get hurt. We can't understand things, our vision grows dim, when all that we need is a moment with Him. There isn't a frustration that you have in your life as a Christian that cannot be traced back to misplaced priorities. Failing to put first things first. Failing to spend 
quality time with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Martha. Here's the second thing I want you to see is Mary. And I want you to see in her the priority of fellowship. Because there was a big difference between those two sisters on that day. Martha, she welcomed Jesus. And then she went off to work. Mary welcomed Jesus. And then she sat down to worship. You know this, three times when we read about Mary in the New Testament... We read about her three times, and every single time, she's always at the same place, at the feet of Jesus. Now, don't ever get the idea that Martha was a worker and Mary was a worshiper, and somehow you've got to choose between the two. You've got to make a choice between the two. Go back and read verse 39 with me, if you will. Verse 39 says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching." Now look at that verse carefully. Do you see the word also? If you have the King James Version, you do see that word in there. But you'll not see it in the others. When you look to the Greek, it's actually there in the Greek. It's a Greek word called kai, K-A-I, which is translated also. It's still there. And that one word also has a tremendous emphasis because you see Mary had done her part in the kitchen. She was a worker as well as a worshiper. But Mary had learned that worship has to come before work. And that true work flows out of our worship. So, so get the picture in what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not uh, con condoning laziness. He was condemning busyness. Sometimes we make excuses for not working in the church when really we're just plain lazy. God wants every one of us involved personally in his work somehow, some way in the church and in his kingdom work. You see, it's not a question of either or. It's a question of both and. Worship and work. It's not a question of which, it's a question of when. We're to worship and we're to work. Uh, but our worship is to come before our work. Worship is the root of the work and work is the fruit of the worship. You see, what the Lord wants us to do is to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha in our work. He would say, how blessed are the balanced. But Mary had learned the priority of worship and fellowship. Jesus, understand this, Jesus is more interested in a relationship with you than he is in results. Because he knows if the relationship is there, the fruit's going to come. Uh, the, 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 the relationship, uh, the results are going to come out of the relationship. Jesus wants your worship before he wants your work. And yet for us, our mindset always goes to, well, i got to do something. I, I need to get busy doing something. Somebody's got to handle this. Somebody's got to do that. And the Lord says, whoa, just stop. Understand this. Time spent with God comes before time spent for God. And we see this clearly as we now bring the third character in this story into the picture. And that's the master. I want you to see the principle of focus from Jesus. Because Jesus makes one of the most startling, stunning, strongest statements in all of his ministry here in verse 42. So get what he said in verse 41. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But notice verse 42. But one Thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. If you were to ask Jesus today what the single most important thing that you could do with your life on a daily basis would be, he would tell you in two words, sit down or be still. The first priority in your life it is to establish and to cultivate and to develop and to grow a, a, a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. 
may I give you this humbling thought? You need Jesus. Jesus doesn't need you. Jesus can do anything in this world without you. But the Bible tells us plainly and clearly, you can do nothing without him. He said this in John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the key to being right with God isn't doing things for God. That's where our mindset goes. The key to doing things for God is being right with God. If you're so busy doing things for God and you're not spending time with God, then let me tell you, you're too busy. Peter Marshall, the former chaplain of the United States Senate, once prayed this. He said, forgive us for thinking that prayer is a waste of time and help us to see that without prayer, our work is a waste of time. So often our mindset goes to, to thinking, uh, well, well, just sitting there praying, nothing's getting done. But in fact, it is. Uh, it's getting done by God. And it shows when you go to prayer to the Lord that you're not depending on yourself to get the things done. You're depending on Him. Now, that doesn't mean we just sit back and we don't do anything. We listen to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Instead of coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. You bless what I'm going to do. He says, listen to me. I'm speaking to you. Understand this. For me even, that the devil would much rather that I prepare a sermon than to prepare myself. Dr. Vance Havner once said this. There's no work more likely to crowd out the quiet hour than the very work that draws its strength from the quiet hour. There's an old story about two men who were chopping trees in the forest. First man was at a steady pace. He worked all day without stopping. The second man, he worked equally hard, but he would take a few minutes every hour uh, on the hour to sit down and to rest. Well, at the end of the day, uh, the, the second man had cut and stacked twice as much wood as the first man. Uh, well, the first man, he came to his coworker and he said, I just don't understand this. I've worked as hard as you have, and I haven't even stopped to rest, and you've rested every hour during the day. How did you cut twice as much wood as I do? And the second man said, well, you see, you're right. He said, I stopped to rest, but the thing you failed to notice is that each time I sat down, I sharpened my axe. Too many times we get so busy chopping the wood we forget to take time to sharpen the axe. The whole point of this passage is that if you'll sharpen the axe first, you'll work better, you'll work smarter, and your work will be much happier. Jesus gives us three principles in this statement that he closes with that will help us uh, with, to have proper priorities and to put first things first. First of all, he says there's the, the, the principle of decision. Jesus pointed out that Mary had chosen the good portion, the good part. If you're going to put first things first, you have to decide to, and you've got to decide what is going to be first. There are Martha's many things, and there is Mary's good things. And it requires discipline to choose the one good thing. Because we see results in the busyness, we don't see results over here. She's just wasting her time at the feet of Jesus. She's not helping me. It's much easier at the end of the day to sit down and watch the TV than it is to pray. It's much easier in the morning by the time that you've washed and you've dressed and, and you've, you've had your breakfast to say, well, there's not much time for the Bible today. It's much easier to relax in, in front of your computer or your phone or your, your tablet than it is to wrestle with the Word of God. It's much easier to get up in the morning and to tell the Lord what you're going to do than it is to sit at His feet and ask Him, Lord, what are you 
want me to do. But if you're going to put first things first, it begins with that decision. Am I going to do what he wants me to do? Or am I going to do what I want to do? But then there's also the principle of discerning or discrimination. Notice that Mary chose the good part, the good portion. You see, the enemy to the best isn't the bad. The enemy to the best is the good. We don't have to choose between the good and the bad. We have to choose between the good and the best. That's why Paul prayed that the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 10, might approve what is excellent. You know why Jesus told Martha that only one thing is needed? Because get this, Jesus is still going to survive if Martha doesn't feed him. But Martha's not going to survive if Jesus doesn't feed her. You've seen it. I've seen it. So many successful Christians who die on the vine because they were too busy spending time for God that they had no time to spend with God. Understand this. If you don't abide in the vine, you will die on the vine. Jesus would, have, would, would rather eat soup with fellowship than to have steak without fellowship. Finally, there's the principle of duration. Duration. Jesus goes on to say that the good part she chose won't be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus said, you ought to set your priorities based on what is eternal and that will never pass away. We ought to prioritize everything we do in light of the Great Commission. That's the principle of duration. Spend your life on the things that are going to last for eternity. Here's the thing for you this morning. If you're here and you're not a Christian, then the first priority of your life at this very second ought to be to establish that personal relationship with Jesus Christ by trusting in Him as your Lord and your Savior. I implore you and encourage you to do that today. But if you are a Christian, your first priority in life every day ought to be to sit at the feet of Jesus first, hear His Word first, learn more about Him first, so that you can love Him more in your work throughout the day. When you do that, you will be putting first things first, the right things first, and you'll be right with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this awesome passage that Luke gives to us to remind us, Lord, about putting first things first. And as we saw from the scriptures, this is not the only place that Jesus teaches this principle, but what a powerful lesson for us this morning. Lord, for those who are here or watching online who have never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, that is the first step for them, is to come by faith, to receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ has made available for us through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. To just call out to you, God, and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on that cross, was buried in that tomb that he arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their own words, in their own heart, and meant it with all sincerity, let them know in their hearts, Lord, that they are saved. And then, Lord, I pray that you would prompt them, encourage them to come and to publicly profess that faith in Christ, to just simply walk down this aisle and, and I'll be here to talk with them and to share with them more, to pray with them, and then to share with others their decision. Father, I pray that you'll help them to step out by faith this morning. But Lord, across this congregation, across the internet and those who are watching this morning, there are many of us as believers who we've let the world, we've let the devil, we've let the cares and the things that we focus on selfishly crowd out the first things in our life. 
Father, I pray that we would realize, yes, there's work to be done, but before the work, there's the worship. Before the work, there's the word. Father, I pray that we'll get into your word and we'll spend time with you each and every day, that the work that we do for you each and every day as we listen to your voice and we do what you tell us to do instead of what we want to do, that you will bless that so much more. Lord, help us to realize that barrier of busyness. And Lord, just to sit still, to be still, and know that you're God, to listen to that voice, to listen to your word, listen to your truth. Lord, help us, Lord, to come to that same place also of repentance, to say, God, I've, I've let those things cry out your voice. I've not been putting first things first. And I want to start afresh and anew with you today. And so, Father, I pray maybe there's those who need to come to the altar to pray, maybe right where they are to pray. Father, I pray that your will will be done in our hearts and our lives as believers too. Have your way and your will in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we sing our invitation number 305, I've decided to follow Jesus. Brother Mike, if you'll come. I have decided share our announcements. Good morning. Privileged to be in the Lord's house and worshiping together on this Sunday. Thank you, Brother Jim, for that wonderful reminder. We just have one announcement, the uh, special call business meeting next Sunday morning during the morning service. And in the evening, we go to the celebration, right? Okay, there is a, there is an evening service next Sunday then after the celebration. That's that's That'll the twenty third. It's the last Sunday of this month. It's a special meeting. Oh, okay. It's so it's two weeks from today. Yes. Okay, my my bad. Yeah. Two weeks from today, we have to give a one week notice on the uh, uh, nominating committee report. The ministry recruiting committee has uh, finished their report, and copies of that are available out in the hallway here. If you want to pick one of those up, look it over. Uh, in the next couple of weeks and come prepared to vote on Sunday evening, the 30th, I guess it is, and uh, we'll take care of that. Uh, the, the other uh, matter of business has to do with finances for the uh, repairs to the parsonage over here. And with that, let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. We thank you for your wonderful gifts, your presence in our lives, your blessings and the strength that you give us. Thank you that we're able to come together in this place to freely worship, to learn about you, and to lift up your name in song. We just pray that you would go from this place with us, and uh, as you have promised, and guide and direct our steps in the days ahead. pray this in Christ's name. Amen.